Hello, friends. Welcome to Nexus, a smart buildings technology podcast for smart humans. I'm your host, James Dice. If we haven't met before, I write a weekly newsletter on this same topic. It's also called Nexus. Each week, I share what I've learned, my opinions, and what I'm excited about in the quickly evolving world of intelligent buildings. Readers have called Nexus the best way to stay up to date on the future of this industry without all the marketing fluff. You can check it out and subscribe at nexus.substack.com or click the link in the show notes. Since starting the Nexus newsletter, many of you have reached out to me wanting to talk shop, and we have. After a few weeks of those wonderful conversations, I realized I needed to record and share them with our growing community. So here we are. The Nexus podcast is born. This is our chance to explore and learn with the brightest in our industry together. Episode one is an introductory conversation with Nicholas Wern, CEO of smart buildings consulting firm, Winio. In another day and age, Nicholas and I would have never met, but here we were, me in Denver and Nicholas in Sweden becoming fast friends. I guess that's the amazing power of the internet. I want to thank Nicholas for getting the podcast started. I was totally procrastinating and he wouldn't let me. So thank you, Nicholas. This is a fun conversation that is less of an interview and more of just a first encounter between two dudes who have a lot in common. First, we walk through how we found ourselves in the world of smart buildings in the first place. It turns out we both started as crazy young tree huggers just trying to save the world. Second, Nicholas shares an interesting model featuring three stages of smart building technology and where he thinks some newcomers fit in that model. Finally, throughout the episode, Nicholas name drops about 40 companies he's excited about. I was taking notes like a madman. You can find Nicholas online on LinkedIn and as a contributing editor on automatedbuildings.com. His company, Winio, can be found via the link in the show notes. Without further ado, please enjoy Nexus Podcast, Episode 1 with Nicholas Wern. So why don't you just sort of introduce yourself, um, give me your background, and then I think where I want to go to this is like, how did you get into the smart buildings industry and what made you make that switch? Absolutely. I mean, I think it's a pretty good story. And the way it's, I started studying when I was 25, which is quite, I mean, I was feeling a lot older than everyone else. And I was a bit older than everyone else at the time as well. And I've been having like these odd jobs, a sales manager, um, working with logistics in the UK for a year, uh, working at a golf course was a fantastic job, actually. But then I decided, I mean, I saw a lot of my friends getting like these careers in banking and all these kind of things, right? So I studied uh, international management in Jönköping in Sweden. And I did it mainly because I got to be abroad for one year. So it's international management meant was basically learn a lot about everything. And so you end up with basically no real <laughs> understanding of anything at all. But for me, it was really great because, I mean, it was a lot of entrepreneurship. It was communication. It was, yeah, it's a little bit of everything. And then I studied in South Korea for six months and I studied in Switzerland for six months. And both those, both those experiences were fantastic. I mean, South Korea was amazing in terms of, well, of course, technology, but most of all, like the people, I really enjoyed it. And when I was in, in uh, Switzerland, it was also great because one of the best business schools in Europe, uh, in high school, St. Gallen. I remember when I took that course or when I applied for that program and my grades were, I mean, they were average, I guess. Uh, but when I applied for that program, I mean, I think like the tutor just uh, told me, I mean, why are you doing this? I mean, you're not going to get home mm-hmm. with 
any points at all, right? But then I came back to Sweden where like taking the most points of everyone that has ever been to that university. And cool. that's what like, got me going. And at the same time, I really wanted to do more things. That was the yes to being uh, an advisor for a startup, uh, an incubator in Lagos, in Nigeria. Okay. And wow. at the time, I didn't know anything about Africa. I didn't know where Nigeria was. I had no idea where the Lagos was. I, I've never been there still, but I, I was an advisor for that incubator for one year. And then okay. I made an investment into one of the startups. So everything okay. used to be a Skype and all these kind of things. Huh. And it went really well in the beginning. <laughs> and then it, <laughs> then, then it didn't go so well. It was an audiobook company or audiobook startup. So it's like Audible. And there was, this was, was six, six or seven years ago. So it was quite a hype okay. about like audiobooks and all these kind of things. And I thought like, I mean, Nigeria is 200 million people. I mean, mm -hmm. what could go wrong, right? Internet penetration, mobile phones everywhere. But the problem was download a book. I, there was like so many problems. But one of the problems was that when you download a book, like the charge for the data was kind of like astronomical. So like the okay. book in itself didn't cost that much, but like the book was going to be like a couple of hundred bucks. So, right. That, we, but we got investment and uh, we got picked up on an accelerated track in Helsinki at Slush. So Slush okay. is the world's largest uh, entrepreneurship conference. And okay. we got picked up there and I was just waiting on, for my team or one of the founders actually who was coming from Nigeria. So this was the first time we met in person. And mm -hmm. while I was waiting for him, I just, I mean, you know how it is on the conferences. You go there and you think you're going to do stuff with like five people. Nothing really happens anyway. And then there's this one guy or girl that <laughs> yeah. gonna like end up with doing stuff in the future, right? So what happened was I was just waiting and then just asked this guy, okay, hey, can I wait here? I'm waiting for all the other founders. And yeah, of course. So, so what do you do? So yeah, short story long, he showed uh, on his phone that he could sort of control his home, right? So he could okay. see when someone opened the refrigerator he could turn like the lights on and off and all these kind of things. And this was, was like six years ago, six and a half years ago, I guess. So it's right okay. before like the IoT hype. And for mm -hmm. me, I never thought about home automation. That really didn't really exist. And building okay. automation for me as well, I mean, never heard about it. Like HVAC, backnets, all of these kind of things, like no idea whatsoever. Right. So and this guy was like, I, I recognize that he was a genius and they had like a phenomenal technology. I mean, we actually stayed in touch and I started helping him uh, pro bono just with strategy stuff. And I wanted to learn more. And so he was based in Iceland. Fast forward to where we are today. I mean, I helped them on the side, also working as a management consultant. I had my own web agency at the time doing a lot of these things. So I started off just helping them or him, TJ. Uh, so he's the founder of Go IoT, whereas uh, I was acting CEO. Okay. And then I okay. sort of transitioned more into doing the strategy. I created sort of like half of the website. I helped him with everything. I sat in on meetings. Uh, then was in charge of international business development. And I remember like the first meetings when uh, we talked to Terry Herr, who works at Intelimation out of Philadelphia. Okay. Right? And yeah. so he was interested and he reached out to our website and was really interested in getting a data pump from the building, all these kind of things that we were still trying to do. And okay. I remember in that call, I've almost finished it. Uh, no, no don't cut yourself off. I like the story. Keep going. In the call, in one of the earliest calls, I remember I wrote everything down. I still have like a notepad on the computer, okay. like Terry Herr meeting, 
2015 or whatever, right? And yeah. I, I understood maybe 5% of everything <laughs> that was said in the call, like nothing, back <laughs> uh, tagging, bases, uh, yeah. uh, points, uh, whatever. I, I mean, I, I didn't understand anything that was said, like okay. absolutely nothing. So, but I wrote everything down because that's what I do in most of my meetings anyway. And uh, at the time yeah, I was working in then, I was a management consultant for Volvo Cars, uh, then for Swigon, which is um, uh, OEM for HVAC, well, HVAC units, so air handling units and these kind of things and indoor climate okay. stuff. And I was in charge for the wireless side of this. So they had like this uh, demand control ventilation system. So mm -hmm. I went from being sort of like part so like application owner or manager for part of that application and then went to project manager for the whole um, suite of that demand control ventilation site, right? And then what, was that? what company was that? Swegon, S-W-E-G-O-N, so Swegon. They're okay. I think like the biggest player in Sweden, fairly big in the Nordics. I, I know they got some presence in the US as well. And they okay. were using this wireless mesh solution, uh, which mm -hmm. I'm promoting left, right and center. Um, okay. in, the, in their products. So it started off, I guess, with Nigeria and audiobooks, and then it went into so like IoT Edge Gateway with Go IoT, where we wanted to yeah, harmonize everything IoT underneath the backend umbrella. So if you look at everything from the top, even if it's like, yeah, whatever, everything should be backend device objects, device, um, uh, well, backend devices and backend objects, basically. So that was really cool, but yeah, I mean, technology is one thing, uh, and having a phenomenal technology, but you're lacking in other aspects, or the market doesn't really understand what you're offering, mm -hmm. is of course a pain, so to say. Yeah, um, and I, I think like the last eight months, so I was the acting CEO of Go IoT for about one one and a half year, and then mm -hmm. I decided to go on my own uh, since last summer. Uh, so working for some. Real estate owners here in Sweden, uh, basically with digital twin strategies. And now the last, what is it, five months, I've been working together with uh, a digital twin company. I, I would say the leading digital twin company in Sweden called Zinka mm -hmm. BIM or Zinka Group. And they have a new uh, initiative, which is called Digital Buildings. So it's basically sort of like creating that secret recipe of how to harness and manage sort of like all the BIM stuff that you do in the construction phase but actually make use of it in the asset management phase. Uh, okay. So I think that's what we're doing now. Cool. And I've been advising them on the connectivity strategy, as in how to create real connected digital twins uh, and getting data both from existing systems, uh, from mm -hmm. IoT stuff, and getting that actually to work uh, in a nice and fast way. I mean, getting data out can be fast, can be extremely slow, Making sense of it is another thing. Getting back to actually controlling the building and creating autonomous building is also, I mean, right. all of these kind of things. Right? So, I mean, that's where I'm today. I actually had the, well, hard final presentation this morning. So that was great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So um, we're still like probably going to do some other next steps and all these kind of things. Okay. It was really nice to get that done. And I've definitely learned okay. a lot because... I've been mostly focusing on the asset management phase, but it's also a lot of the construction side as well. And I mean, okay. building smart from start, I think it's something that is super interesting as well. And sort of, yeah, uh, yeah we can talk a lot about more, more about that as well. But I mean, so, so that's how I, I'm sitting here. And uh, I also contributed yeah. to automated buildings and one of right. 
So like the most important people for me has been Ken Sinclair. Who is yeah, like what's his uh, influence been on you? I mean, everything. Uh, okay. Everything. I mean, I started reading his blogs in the beginning, right? Again, like these 5% has hopefully grown to 150% of an understanding of what's going on, right? So yeah. those 5%, I mean, of course, I learned a lot from TJ, who was the founder of GoIoT, both from like mm-hmm. in terms of hardware, software, also Paul Humphreys, who was our hardware designer. So I know a little bit about like hardware design, uh, really deep down, to be honest, and also the software layer, the cloud layer, and stack-wise and all these things in the middle. But I think like in terms of an industry perspective, yeah, mm-hmm. it's automated buildings. I mean, just going back, yeah. reading stuff like 20 years ago, and I, I think it's maybe it's the same for you. Like I like to think that I'm innovative, I'm new thinker, all these kind of things, right? And then you go back 20 yeah. years and you see these guys exactly have been about this the for same, decades. right? Exactly yeah. the same. And it is like, yeah. I was like right now I'm sort of blushing because I'm so uh-huh. like ashamed of like my early thoughts, like why has no one ever thought about this, right? Wrong. Right. Everyone has thought about it. A lot of yeah. people have tried it. And I mean, a legend, uh, Mike Newman, left the that. the other day, right? Mm-hmm. And I know that I think it was Calvin from Climate Tech, or maybe it was Sack from Contemporary Controls that said, I mean, when he was writing this backnet, uh, like the, the first couple of editions, I mean, it was really bashing on the OEM side. Because they didn't really want to change. I mean, it's still the right. case, but I mean, like, they didn't really want to change. So you can see in that text, it's exactly the same passion that I have. I mean, I really mm-hmm. want this industry to change because I see a lot of potential. But I was really wrong in thinking that I'm the only one, which is good, <laughs> and definitely not the first one. So I, I think that's sort of like definitely a humbling experience. And I remember, I mean, looking up to Ken as really a hero. And mm-hmm. then I met him at the EHR Expo. I think it was in Chicago the first time. And then we kept in touch, and now it's more or less. I mean, he's mentoring me; I'm mentoring him, and a lot of a lot of the stuff that's coming out of automated buildings the last six months has been like this uh, born connected stuff, or getting reborn yeah. connected, or wireless ways, and these kind of things mm-hmm. has been a lot because me, Zach, Brad White, uh, Zach Netzal, Brad White, and Calvin Slater. I mean, we have this whole open approach to the industry, and we really want to well create more openness and transparency and then democratizing everything that goes on basically. So yeah. Yeah. My experience with automated buildings was like, you know, I graduated from college, I get in and I'm like blown away by the first hundred, hundred days of my job, pretty much like right off the bat. I'm like, like, what, what is happening? Like, this is not what I expected at all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I, I found automated buildings at some point and I just sort of feel like, oh, like these are the, there's someone out, else out there that gets it, right? <laughs> yeah, those exactly. guys have been writing about these topics for, yeah. man, I mean, for, for for, well, I think it's 20 years, right? Yeah, yeah, it is. It's it is. Crazy. It is yeah. yeah. It's crazy. But, so, I mean, okay, reverse uh, then. How did you yeah. come into this industry? Where did you start? And I mean, what, what keeps you going as well, I guess? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So mine's been a little bit more linear than yours. I, I'm super inspired by how you kind of just went from one thing to the next until you found what it is, which is great. Um, my degree in college was in mechanical engineering and I'll try not to make this an hour and a half story, but um, <laughs> I took a sustainable energy course as an elective in my final year at school. And I had no idea what I wanted to do up until that point. I just knew I was kind of a tree hugger at that point. I, all, all I knew was like, 
I was reading treehugger.com, for instance. Uh, that was like my most visited blog probably in college. Uh, it's like, I mean, saving I the world uh, intention, right? Something like that. Yes. Yeah. Yes, exactly. exactly. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. yeah. Um, I didn't know what I wanted to do. All I knew was at that point in my life that I just wanted to play soccer. So, uh, so I played soccer in college, and I like to say that I majored in soccer and minored in mechanical engineering. <laughs> Because okay. it was like a full-time job. So anyway, in the sustainable which, which, energy course, uh, position did you play? I'm most native as like a center midfielder. Okay. Um, but in college, I was kind of in over my head. Like I, I shouldn't have been on this team <laughs> at all. Okay. So it was where I can get on the field. So I played right back. I played center back. Okay. Um, but nowadays when I play, like I had a game last night. I play center midfielder. I like to run the show a little bit. Okay, yeah, the playmaker, uh, exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Anyway, I was in the sustainable energy course, and the teacher kept bringing in guest speakers. And about halfway through the semester, he brought in Ann Hill. Um, Ann Hill, listen to this. Thank you uh, very much for getting me into this world. But uh, Ann was a leader for a mechanical contractor, and she was starting an energy efficiency group within that mechanical contractor and that group. So the mechanical contractor is called Murphy company. Um, they started a group called M360 that was focused on energy efficiency, retro commissioning and performance contracting. So they were kind of growing into an energy service company, which I'm not sure what they call that in Europe. Do they call that an ESCO? In Europe? No idea. No idea. Yeah. So they basically, they structure contracts so that yeah. the energy savings pay back, the loan for the construction is, yeah, is yeah, basically yeah. The, the model. Okay. And so from there, I went to another ESCO called Energy Systems Group. Um, right around that transition, I started using analytics software. So when was this? Like, is this, this a, was, yeah, this was 2013. Okay. So I started using analytics software for retro commissioning. And then when we did a performance contract, we would install software um, to then maintain the savings throughout the yeah, life yeah, of the yeah. contract. Okay. So we would, we would monitor buildings for the utility bills, but then we would also monitor the systems themselves yeah. using fault detection to make sure that what we expected was happening was actually yeah. happening. Exactly. Because that works that time, that was, for your business model. Is it like EPC, energy performance contracting in total? Exactly. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Yep, yep. So the savings are guaranteed. And yeah. so our motivation was if we monitor this, we can make sure that yeah, savings don't drift and exactly. nothing gets overridden yeah. and, and that type of thing. So I then went to the Energy Systems Group and tried to kind of start the same model. That didn't work out. A year later, I ended up at a consulting firm called Sitton Energy Solutions as their director of analytics. And so they, had, okay. they hadn't gotten into analytics yet. This is, uh, I think this model is really powerful. And yeah. so we set up, they're just a straight consultancy. They're, they don't do any construction or anything like that. So it was a different model than what I was used to. But what was interesting about them is they're totally independent. So mm -hmm. they could serve an owner and basically design the solution to what that owner needs, right? So yeah. we set up that model that we decided that we were going to be independent, but we also wanted to do and become an analytics shop in-house. Yeah. And so we yeah. became a SkySpark reseller. Okay, yeah. And I started that from scratch. And so I was like the person who was selling it, the person who was managing it, 
a little bit of the programming. Yeah. Um, I was managing the programmers. I was basically doing everything except for writing the code yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. to make this all work. That was, um, for me, just as a comparison, I mean, I think it's, Mm-hmm. If AJ is listening, I'm not really. I think he agrees if he, if he digs deep down. But I mean, like for me, mm-hmm. it was a lot of that as well. I didn't write any code, okay. but I did like uh-huh. the marketing, the yeah, everything, like everything, mm-hmm. and just trying to figure out like how to get this to market and how to satisfy yeah. the customer needs and just like that's how I learned everything. So it's great. I mean, I think that was a great school for you as well. I guess it was absolutely a school yeah. i mean and i wasn't the only one but i was kind of leading it it was kind of yeah. my my baby but we created a business model a new business model around it we created a new pricing model um a new message right so yeah. it's changing from we're going to sell you this hour of consulting yeah. um we're really smart to changing that to we're going to monitor your buildings and that's going to be a subscription and right. we're going to give you insights I mean, we could talk more about that, but that was kind of the last four or five years before joining NREL. Um, So we basically used SkySpark and then helped building owners implement SkySpark or implement other software if they were wanting to go in a different direction um, than SkySpark. So last summer, then I decided I didn't want to do everything. I just wanted to focus on the technical side of analytics and kind of go deeper into less about, let's see if I can explain this. I want to do less with specific building owner solutions um, because a lot of the building owners were, it's not that they were behind, but they were behind, right? So we're we're selling them solutions that... They are behind, but I I think it's not their fault. No, absolutely. I I think that's the case. I think like the whole industry is behind... And yeah, it's someone's fault, and maybe we know fault that is. But I, I don't think it's the owner's fault uh, that they're behind. Yeah. And we can untangle that for weeks. Uh, <laughs> yeah, probably still not get there. But yeah. I was feeling like I wanted to kind of get to the cutting edge, if that makes yeah. sense. And Absolutely. and NREL, where I currently work, was the like they're at the cutting edge. Um, I get the chance to read and go deep and read research and talk to people like you and. I think I should probably qualify that nothing that I say represents NREL in any way, but um, (laughs) the job basically provides the ability to be a subject matter expert and kind of get to the bottom of what's holding back this industry so we can kind of knock down those those obstacles. So that's kind of my journey where I'm at today. That's really cool. But I mean, okay, so for NREL, like the company that you work for today, what do you do then? You're like this subject matter expert on all the things cutting edge and you help customers or you help the internal organization in picking the right tools or is it a combination or what is it that you do? Yeah, so NREL is a national lab of the U.S. Department of Energy okay. and there are 17 of them. I don't even know six months in if I could really explain how that system came to be and how we're different. But our focus is energy efficiency and renewable energy. Mm-hmm. So it started... 40 years ago as like the pioneer in solar, essentially, right. like in the world. Yeah. But now it's grown into this very large organization, so 2,500 people. Yeah. Um, and there's a lot of focus cutting edge research. Our group has focused on that. It's more focused on applying the cutting edge research. Um, yes. So later stage technologies, um, yeah. helping organizations implement later stage technologies. Yeah. And the focus is on um, federal government 
institutions, agencies. So we do a lot of work with the Department of Defense, uh, GSA, um, kind of helping them with their portfolios and helping them. The way I like to think about it is, like I just said, knocking down obstacles. So how can we use our expertise to move whatever initiative forward that we can? So sometimes that looks like doing a demo. So like right now we're doing a demo for a certain type of analytics software um, and helping them decide out of their, you know, 10,000 buildings they have across the country, across the world, which one of those makes sense for this technology um, and which ones don't make sense. And what are the energy savings? Does the technology work like it's supposed to work? Because there are a lot of claims out there, right? Um, Can you you explain a bit more about that? I mean, all the platforms that are out there, they do everything, right? Isn't that true? What do you mean? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, everyone says if you talk to the the marketing people at every company, they they certainly do everything. They check every box. Uh, No, but I think think that's... No, no, but I mean, I just think that's funny because I say that even for me, but I mean, like I've been, I mean, your journey and what you're doing right now is basically what I'm doing without 2,499 people, I guess. It's just mm-hmm. like trying yeah. to like, yeah, be at the cutting edge at mm-hmm. all times, but I still like, I had to rein myself in actually for this um, recommendation for the digital twin company is even if like what you say, like with, if you use the cutting edge stuff, it's not really sure that one that it yeah maybe the technology works but does it scale mm-hmm. uh, do they have support is it documentation yeah. um, all these kind of things is are is it proven uh, regulations so many things right so it has to be a combination of utilizing partners and existing stuff as well as I think like trying to at least use the cutting edge to get an edge over both com- competitors right. and finding margins and these kind of things as well but I mean like for me. It's been really, yeah, but exactly what you say. I just, I mean, knocking down doors and climbing in through windows and just all these kind of things just to yeah. find the problems and then find a solution that just works uh, to, to go through it. I mean, that's the only thing mm-hmm. that I've been doing the last five years. And I think I have managed to find both the people, I think, and a lot of solutions that if deployed correctly even today, I mean, you could solve I mean, everything, I guess. I mean, it's not really anything stopping us except for people and processes right. and all these kind of things, right? But yeah, I mean, it's super cool. I mean, we have so much in common. I used to play soccer as well. Uh, okay. I also want to play like as a playmaker role. So yeah, okay. very similar there all as well. Right. Do you still play? <laughs> no, no. I talked about this yesterday. Uh, we're having lunch with um, someone in the Industry 4.0 space. And he was doing karate and all these kind of things, right? And I said, I mean, I used to do kickboxing and taekwondo, and that was 15 years ago. I, I stopped playing soccer like 18 years ago. Oh, and wow. I mean, I think okay. it's like yesterday, right? I, I mean, I play yeah. on and off, but I still think in my head that it's, yeah, it wasn't that long ago. But right. yeah, it, it's quite a long time ago, to be honest. Yeah, my body can't do the things my brain thinks I should No, no, exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. That's tragic. But I mean, uh, okay, so we're almost at the same, well, we're definitely at the same path, I guess. I mean, wanting to yeah. say we both pre-huggers, I guess, uh, wanting to change <laughs> the world to a better place, right. saving energy, saving people. But I think like you wrote in your blog about digital twins, about like the jobs to be done, right? And yeah. you said like the two primary jobs is one is 
creating better buildings for people, something like that at least. Mm -hmm. And the other one was making it a financial play, I guess, like real estate or how could real estate owners get a better financial return of investment or something with, yeah, that's the other job to be done. And I was thinking about that. I couldn't really find what I thought was wrong with it, but I didn't think it was (laughs) correct either, even though I think it's 100% correct. (laughs) Because I think like, Something fishy uh, about it. You're not. Yeah, there's quite something. I, I hopefully I can maybe I can uh, respond in this call, or I have to get back to you. But I think like uh-huh. so my point in that on that subject is, I mean, you're absolutely right. And I think like the first point in terms of people, I mean, no one really cares in terms of HVAC or technology. I mean, no one is really talking about it. There's no KPIs. There's no metrics really. Mm-hmm. I mean, Comfy got swallowed by Siemens, I guess. Uh, they were pretty close. Of, yeah. Like I mean, pushing towards that. KPI or that side of the industry. But I think like it's not something that you really measure. Uh, and the other one in terms of financial, I mean, net operating income or how it re- corresponds to increased real estate value, uh, I think that's also spot on. I think that's how I've been talking to, about IT investments or investing in technology the last couple of years, at least. Because mm-hmm. before it was more like, I mean, IoT this, IoT that. And I mean, you can do everything, but we don't want to do anything. Okay. Yeah. So it's like, okay, fair enough. And so it's again, like this morning, I was at an apartment company in Finland called Wired Hut and with uh, Ivan Notgren. He's also running PropTech Russia and part of PropTech Finland. And we were just talking about this. I mean, what are the jobs to be done? I mean, what are the solutions? Not talking about technology Mm -hmm. whatsoever, just finding out, okay, what kind of problems do you have? I mean... And then just reverse engineering that into a questionnaire. So, I mean, again, not just talking about technology and helping people finding the answers of their, own, of their own. I think that's really, really important because I see a huge gap between, I mean, tech, tech, tech companies talking blockchain, AI, machine learning, and these uh, elite yeah. jargon, as something was said, like <laughs> on LinkedIn, right? right. I, mean, I think it's needed, but it's not needed in the sense of if you really want your products to get adopted. Then mm-hmm. I think like you need to understand the customer better and understand the value propositions. And again, going back to Clayton Christensen, which he's a he was a legend. I love innovators dilemma. Right. I love how to measure your life and competing against luck. And I love his books. Phenomenal. Yeah, yeah. I think they're all right behind us. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. I, I love everything that is done. To be honest, Porter's. I mean, yeah. so that was like international management was more about strategy and Korea also studied a lot of strategy is the same actually in Switzerland. And I think that's was just going back between why I chose this industry, I guess, was a strategic decision because I okay. knew that it was going to happen. You see like smartphones, uh, mm-hmm. the same, right? Or mainframe computers, smartphones, you see uh, cars right now, exactly the same thing. You get tests like who's getting like a software approach. And then you have like mm-hmm. some hardware in it. Whilst the traditional yeah. car ma- manufacturers, they have hardware. Then they're trying to jam some software in that. But it's still just a hardware thing. And they got a huge, I mean, organization and people and processes. And this legacy base that is really, really difficult to get away from. And I saw exactly the same thing that, I mean, this is going to happen. This was five or six years ago again. So this is definitely mm-hmm. going to happen in buildings. So it's just a strategic choice and learning more and more about like buildings, uh, like the 60% or 50% energy consumption in the world, 90% indoors. Again, like going back to saving the world, right? So uh, it's something that is bound to happen. You can get a good impact. Learning about backnet, 60% of all commercial real estate 
one API to back net. It's just like, it sounds so easy to do it. <laughs> but I mean, like, the problem is, I think, like, no one really in the industry wants to do it. Uh, I think there are a lot of people outside the industry that really wants this to happen, but still finding it really, really tough to get mm-hmm. data out of buildings and can't really figure out what building automation is all about. And I think that's right. where we're going to see a lot of mergers and definitely acquisitions from the tech giants. And not only like Siemens buying, I mean, companies within their own sphere, but actually like Google, Amazons and Alibaba's yeah. buying MSIs and these companies because of they know actually what they're doing. Yeah, I definitely see that that's going to happen in the next five years a lot to, to add to the competence and skill set of actually doing the stuff that is needed for buildings. And I think, I hope, well, that was actually a Freudian thing, but I believe at least that this mm-hmm. will happen and it's going to increase the speed of value creation because I see yeah. there's a lot of slowness in the industry today, unfortunately. There is, yeah. I second that notion of, I often feel like there a lot of us that write about this and talk about this like we're doing right now, yeah. there's this sense of this should happen. Right. But then when you go talk to someone that runs a building, um, <laughs> I don't feel like we're speaking the same language yeah. in a lot of ways. Right. I mean, a good example is this with coronavirus. Right. So now when we're having this discussion, Corona is everywhere. Right? Yeah. I mean, that's going to have right. a huge impact on the economy and everything. But I mean, a guy in my network is working with indexing buildings. So shout out to Timo Merberger uh, at okay. Hub API or Hub API Systems. So basically what they do is you just go in, index all the data, making it easier for others to actually, so like Google, making it like uh, the data in, in searchable, like Google basically, in buildings okay. and uh, building systems and economy systems, all these kind of things. He shared something on LinkedIn, which was that, I mean, we've seen the urgency. So that's what I'm getting at. I mean, there's no sense of urgency. Right? So, but mm-hmm. we, we see the urgency now with the coronavirus, right? I mean, everyone is right. like a transports, uh, meetings, the whole Italy, Sweden, you can't uh, be in places with over 500 people. I'm working from home, you're working from home, all these kind of things. In the last, what, two months, three months, maybe? Uh, Like the sense of urgency, right? Yeah, it's crazy. But Mm. imagine if that would happen with climate change. Absolutely. And again, like, why aren't we doing that? So I just reshared it and I just said, like, okay, if it's not happening to me, as in me, me, as in every person thinks that way, I'm not going to do it, right? Uh, right? Or if it's not happening to me, well, I said, like, if it's not happening to me now, I'm not going to do anything. If it happened to me mm-hmm. in five months, I don't care. If it's happening yeah. to someone else now, I don't really care. If it's happening to someone else in five months, or let's say 20 years or 10 years, why would mm-hmm. I do anything, right? I think, like, right. that's the biggest problem. I think for me, and maybe for you, I feel that sense of urgency. I, I felt it for like the last, I don't know, 20 years, uh, uh-huh. like maybe growing up in Absolutely. videos or reading too much comics about the Phantom and the Superman and saving the world. Maybe <laughs> that's the reason. I don't know. But I mean, yeah, mine was Captain Planet. Okay, exactly. But I mean, yeah. like, I think yeah. that's something. I mean, I don't know. Do you have kids? I know you have a cat, but just a cat. No okay, kids yet. But still, I mean, you have to leave a better world for the cat then. But I mean, I've got I've got two small kids. Yeah. So, and I just want them to grow up in a better world that I grew mm-hmm. up in. And I think now, especially for young generations that are like 20-year-olds, I mean, they're not. They're not thinking that. I mean, they think like, no, okay, this though. is horrible. We can't get any jobs. The planet is dying. All of these kind of things. I mean, Greta actually from Sweden, I mean, 
she's mm-hmm. turning the yeah. urgency in the, um, the younger segments. But then it's like right. the OK Boomer movement as well. Like, I mean, fair enough. I mean, so it's, it's a lot of these things going on. Uh, but, but I, I do like, feel like that's changing, yeah. right? So that, I hope that so. tide I hope so. feels I hope like so. it's shifting. Yeah. Um, when I moved from St. Louis, we were working on getting the first benchmarking ordinance passed in St. Louis. Yeah. Um, so shout out to the local USGBC chapter in St. Louis and Emily Andrews and everything she's doing there. But that, if that's happening, and I know you don't know the cultural and politics of America, but if, if something's happening in the Midwest yeah. that is that progressive... Because you see everything happening in New York, you see oh LA yeah yeah on the coast, Philly just passing yeah. these building optimization laws essentially, right? But if you see that happening in St. Louis, that usually means hey something <laughs> something is really happening. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. I think what I'm seeing is like this shift. I mean, you see Fifth Wall and all the capital they're raising for these types of technologies, yeah. um, but you see it at, on the the mandate and the ordinance and the laws being passed. It does feel like there's some sort of shift happening, at least yeah. in my little piece of the world, right? Uh, no, no, I, I yeah. hope so. I really, yeah. really hope so. But I mean, mm-hmm. you're talking about like the ones running the buildings, right? So I think there are a lot of things happening yeah. down here at the grassroots or like the ones who are really suffering, right? Or maybe not all of them, but some of them at least. And yeah. then it's some stuff happening maybe up here. But yeah, but I mean, I agree. Uh, the whole PropTech stuff or going green and human development goals and so many mm-hmm. PropTech funds like Fifth Wall and these initiatives where it's becoming also a fashion, I guess. So maybe it's a lot of greenwashing, but I don't really care if it goes to something Doesn't that matter. actually promotes yeah. the planet. I don't really care. Right. Flap, Captain Planet. But, uh, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but I mean, so no, I, I definitely agree. I mean, I think that's, and I can see a shift also in the t- the way technology is being deployed only like mm-hmm. five years ago. I mean, even then when I talked about IOT or even if you have that jargon of technology, now there's still like, even if it's a lot of hype, of course, about AI machine learning, I use the tags all, all the time in my LinkedIn posts. I don't know if mm-hmm. it's good or bad, but I mean, I think it's... Uh, <laughs> Neither do I. No, but I, I think it's something that, I mean, people are responding more to and they see that okay. I mean, they, I, when I go home, I... I use Netflix, I use all these kind of things. And it's just like one click, two clicks, or mm-hmm. I get all these pieces of information and I use modern interfaces that don't look like shit uh, or <laughs> are horrible. <laughs> and when I go to work, I use like 20-year-old technology and 20-year-old, right. 30-year-old interfaces. And it's just absolutely catastrophic. I mean, and I think, I mean, there are some companies at least that are progressive. And I think like they're, they see that their workforce is 50 plus middle-aged men mostly mm-hmm. and yeah. how are they going to hire they can't hire anyone i mean everyone goes mm-hmm. to spotify or something else so it's yeah i think like the skill short how are they going to hire if they have 30 year old technology that they're yeah but i mean it's impossible I mean, use, no one would right? like to work with them i mean you saw you said it yourself was like was that 10 years ago i mean all this mm-hmm. stuff you learn in school right i mean it's a classic in every industry but i mean some are worse yeah. than others i guess i mean then you go out and feel wow they're using this this and this and then he's like, yeah. are you kidding? I mean, yeah, it's just like, I think that that was maybe acceptable. I mean, of course, it wasn't acceptable back then either. But I mean, right. you didn't really have a choice, I guess. But now yeah. you have a lot of choices in going the developer route and you know that you can find a job that pays well or uh, right. all of these kind of things. I mean, 
yeah, why would you choose something that you know that you can work with 30-year-old technology, uh, working with a lot of manual processes, and most of your day goes to hunting for information, and the rest of the day goes to validating that information? Yeah. I mean, it's absolutely mind-blowingly crazy. And I'm not only talking about like the build and automation side. It's the technical asset management side that is exactly the same. Like this whole industry, for me, I had a, like one of my all-time greatest posts on LinkedIn was like when I said that the industry is broken. And that mm-hmm. was because Troy Harvey, he didn't really, I think he said it. He didn't own up to it, Troy. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. But I, I know he thinks like that. But I think like it is broken. And it's yeah. not the people, but it's just like the industry in itself and the silos and the manual ways of working, the vendor locking, all of these kind of things. It's just something that, I mean, something needs to happen. And I think like it's not going to come from the industry. It's definitely going to come again from tech learning real estate instead of real estate learning tech. Thing. Right. Yeah. For everyone listening, Troy Harvey is Passive Logics. CEO, I just wrote, well, I didn't just write it, I wrote it a few weeks back, but uh, by the time this podcast airs, there will be a whole newsletter out dedicated to Passive Logic. You you talked to him as well, or? I talked to him a few weeks back. He talked at me and I learned a lot. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, he's he's taught me a lot. But the newsletter I just wrote was basically comparing them to Tesla because, and this might seem extreme to people that haven't met Troy and haven't heard him speak, but... I don't feel like anyone's talking about disruption quite the way that he is. I think there's yeah. a lot of innovation happening. There's a lot of exciting collaboration happening. Yeah. Um, but what Troy's talking about is like a top to bottom disruption of mm. what you just said is a broken system, broken yeah. industry. Yeah. Um, and those might seem like extreme words, but I, I, what I wrote about this week was just that I think he's just thinking on a different level and we need, yeah. we need that type of thinking. And I think, like, I mean, I'm really in favor of their products. I mean, I invited him here to talk to, well, Sinka BIM, the Sinka Group, and Swagon for Action, for instance, Assemblin, and some other, like, local regional players here mm-hmm. in Gothenburg in Sweden. So he was here, and he helped me move a couch as well. So that was great. Yeah, nice I guy. I needed that help, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> hopefully I can get him some contracts. No, but I think it was really... <laughs> great sort of like he was on from nine to one and it was just talking about well everything that they're doing and okay. like i could just i mean from time to time during that um day i was just looking at the other so sort of like players and attendees and there were some actually competitors and they were just mm-hmm. like like <laughs> just staring right like deer yeah. in a headlight because it was some of this is almost too hard to believe for those or for existing mm-hmm. players, because it's so far off to yeah. how it's being done in the industry. Uh, for 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 us, maybe, or for someone that's more, I mean, I'm, I've been really interested in learning from, I mean, Industry 4.0 player side, uh, as well as like the software development, how Netflix, how they build their streaming platforms, LinkedIn. I mean, taking mm-hmm. technology where you're at the cutting edge in terms of yeah. everywhere, like maybe not quantum computing, but almost, and having these AI machine learning algorithms on the edge and all these kind of things, right? So for me, it's just like taking what the world, the best things the world has to offer, put them in a, in a package, using like dragging drop user interface, so absolutely marvelous user interaction, and making it fantastic piece of technology for installers uh, so that all that data... Uh, I mean, what takes like days could take like, I don't know, a couple of minutes 
or at least hours. Yeah. So it's mm-hmm. absolutely crazy, right? But, and this, I haven't told this to Troy. I think he, he knows that I'm thinking it. Uh, mm-hmm. okay. For me, it's, it's like, I also thought that it was a revolution or disruption, right? Mm-hmm. And maybe it is, uh, but I don't think so. So I think okay. it's more of an extreme, like, uh, evolution, maybe revolution, I guess. But so, so just to clarify, I think, so like my second best post, at least this year, uh, like what the future, the future of smart city thinking or something like that, right? Okay. And I was just talking about like, and our session at the HR Expo in Orlando was all about uh, open, like open standards, mm-hmm. interoperability, that is the future, all these kind of things. So, and I think what Troy and them are doing, uh, it's not, it's definitely Tesla, but I think it's more like Apple in, in the okay. sense that they like come the to iPhone. market with a, yeah, exactly, with a really nice looking product. Fantastic. Mm-hmm great piece of technology, flawless, so you combined with wireless stuff. But what it does integrated do, technology, right? So yeah, yeah, absolutely. Everything is in a package. Stack. Yeah, exactly. So everything is integrated and you get one API to the building and it delivers quality data and then they have a partner ecosystem. So I mean, like, and I know they got a serious order book uh, coming from the US and elsewhere as well. Uh, however, I don't think it's disruptive in the sense that it's I had like three stages. So one is for like the legacy technology, use a lot of wired, a lot of vendor lock-in proprietary systems. I mean, basically where we are today uh, with old okay. technology, right? Uh, yeah. ID loop sequencing, these kind of things. And then you take the next level, which is basically Troy stuff. So cutting edge technology, you do AI machine learning, deep digital twin, as you like to put it, uh, mm-hmm. really disrupting the technology side of things or taking in what the world has to offer in a box, right? But at the mm-hmm. same time, you're still, I mean, you still have to use their stuff. You still have to use their system okay. and in order to drag and drop, and it's still part of their offering. Again, yeah. like if you look at the jobs to be done, something for people, something for real estate owners, it's perfect. Mm-hmm. It, it, it fits the bill. right? But in yeah. terms of taking the industry to the next level, uh, that's where I, in terms of if you go, if you, so I had three levels. One is legacy technology, all in a box, old technology, right? And here we have mm-hmm. new technology, but still in a box. And you have to use their sort of like it's some kind of vendor locking, at least with proprietary systems. Yeah, and stuff. It's, it's modern, right? It's modern technology. Exactly. But it's not. It, it catches us up. Yeah. But it's still, in some ways, it's kind of like restarting the industry. Yeah. A little bit. So yeah. this industry started as closed proprietary in the 80s, right? Yeah. And we've been kind of trying to undo that <laughs> exactly, exactly. For, for 30 plus years now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, no, so, so I think not like us, but other people. Yeah, yeah. Every, I mean, all the automated buildings.com guys and girls, women, uh, mm-hmm. and everyone else, like Mike Newman and everyone else has just been trying to do this, right? So yeah. I, and I'm not really sure if Troy is going to use BackNet as the interoperable layer or whatever he's going to use. I hope he's going to use it for something akin to it. Because I think mm-hmm. like, again, so like the third level is you have products that are open, open source or whatever. And mm-hmm. basically, if you go into the building, it's just an API. Okay. And then you can select yeah. whatever you want to do from the top. You can have whatever software you want to run. It's basically going to be like, okay, let's install this. Okay. Let's install this from Troy, let's say. And then yeah. I pump it down and make you use it. Ah, let's uninstall it. And I can use this stuff from James 
or from Siemens or from Schneider or from Distech or from some BMS suite or whatever. It doesn't really matter. So like mm -hmm. all the integration should definitely happen up the top. Less focus on integration, more of value creation and innovation. But I think that yeah. this is what sets it apart. I haven't really, I've tried to get a hold of Troy, but he's a busy man. And so I've been busy as well. But just mm -hmm. to, if this is true, but I think it is. And like the, the, the side I see again, like the third level, which is again, like just total separation of hardware and software and possibly also more wireless, definitely. Uh, so mm -hmm. I'm talking to a lot to Philip Kopp from California. So he's super crazy. I mean, you're pretty crazy. I'm pretty crazy. He's brutal crazy because he's also been in this industry for like 20 years coming on from the energy side and just figuring out like how uh, broken this building automation side is so he really wants to disrupt everything as in like you have like these controllers today a lot of wired stuff he just wants to make wireless out of everything even like the base mm -hmm. infrastructure as well as augmenting it with um their proprietary or their actually fantastic software piece of uh, wireless mesh. So basically okay. what it does, I mean, if you look his at it... Connectric? Is that, is that yeah, what exactly. it's called? Connectric? Yeah, so look at it, chatted a bit. But. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he's doing great stuff, I think. And he's, he's really pushing me <laughs> to, to be really cutting edge as well uh, because he's talking, and I'm doing the same, but I mean, about blockchain-based stuff and stream processing mm -hmm. and all these kind of things. But I mean... And it's something that we definitely can do. But anyways, just so, going back to wrap this up, I just... Well, I was going to say, yeah, yeah, so let's go back to the third level there. Yeah. First level is legacy, basically where 99% of the buildings are today. Yeah. Second level is passive logic. I think I'm stuck on where you're placing them. So is what you're placing them at, you're placing them at this level because they have, they might have an API where they're going to share the data and there might be yeah. some sort of app store but everything below that is so yeah. everything at the hardware level exactly. below I mean, like, that API. Exactly. I think like for me, when I see it, if you look inside the building, right, you use their mm -hmm. products, you might, I know that you can use it as a JSE. You put it at the top and yeah. then you sort of like uh, oversteer or yeah, use machine learning, artificial intelligence, run scenarios on the existing equipment. So you make that work in your favor without having to rip it out or knowing exactly mm -hmm. what it does, right? And then you can augment it with wireless stuff. But again, like I think you, you have to use their software offering in order to do this. And I mean, like their software offering is brutal. It's fantastic. It's great. So why yeah. wouldn't you do it? But again, like if you look but that's at that's not like, the point. Yeah, exactly. That's not the point. Really. Yeah. But it's the same with like Apple. I mean, if you look at their products and the product suite, it works. I mean, just a couple of years ago, I mean, I've been an Android fan for years. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, when I'm trying to integrate it flawlessly with my computer or phone or, or my ear pods or whatever, there's always some hassle. You always have to do something, right? So right. even if like this third level is where the industry should be uh, or whatever you want to call it, it's mm -hmm. still integration work. It's still APIs. It's still a lot of these kind of things, right? So... It depends on how you see it, but I definitely think their product is, yeah, I mean, it's phenomenal. But to counter that with, let's say, so Dave Lapsley is another cool character from the UK. There have been a system integrator, systems integrator for, I don't know, forever, I guess, working out the UK, specializing mm -hmm. in, well, every controller there is. And they've seen all the problems and they've wanted to do something about it. So they created um, a software suite called Sentinel 
and bubble as well for more user interaction. So they, I think like they got a pad in the process yeah. of turning backnet objects into, so like drag and drop Android environment. So it's like it got a native backnet to Android app bridge, which is okay. pretty cool. And it works in the same way as logic in the sense that you can replace the JSON or put it in the building, okay. then understand everything, how it goes on, and then one API to blah, blah, blah. So basically the same, but the difference okay. is that they've only got software. So they can put it on a tablet, they can put it on a generic hardware something, uh, yeah. all these kind of things. So there is a true separation of hardware and software. I see. Which is not the case with Droid stuff. So that's a sort of a, a minor point, right? Yeah. Not to say that their stuff is better or that passive logic stuff is better. It's just different. Mm-hmm. And for me, I just wanted, I'm trying to, like the, the companies I'm consulting for, just showing the pros and cons. Mm-hmm. I, I can't really say, I mean, this is better, this is worse. This is what it is. Because that's the only thing it can do, I think. So with the passive logic model, I mean, one thing I like is that the down to the edge, every controller has intelligence as to where it sits in the building, yeah. what it does, who it is, what its name is, what it's connected to, exactly. um, what its purpose is. So Troy calls that the deep digital twin. Yeah. Um, in that third layer model where mm-hmm. you have hardware and software disconnected, you can run any software on any hardware. How do you get that functionality in that future world? It's a great question. And luckily, I've actually got the answer. Well, maybe. Okay. So I, I think like, so I've been, like I said, I mean, I, I've been trying to figure this out. So whenever I stumble into uh, like a roadblock, I try to get over it. And it doesn't mm-hmm. really depend if I go into smart grid, if I go into construction, or if I go into asset management, it doesn't really matter. So there are three companies. The so one was the one with Timo that does indexing of the data in buildings. So there you, you saw like... called Hub API? Yeah, Hub API systems or Hub API integration, I think. Uh, okay. Well, basically what they do, like they go in, then they take all the data sources, you, you make it searchable, and you sort of like can tie it together. There's another mm-hmm. company called um, Onify, which is also part of their offering from Serenity, which does the same thing. So basically you go in, you have all, you take all the data, you sort of like create tags, I would say, or index it, and then they have like the tools to pull them together and also create a, a user interface. So it's, it's a combination of indexing the files and also RPA, which is called robotic process automation. So you can yeah. also do these things easier. But the one that I, I have in mind the most is something called Platform of Trust coming out of Finland. And sure. they're so like owned by the unions. Okay. So the unions in Finland, in terms of construction, mm-hmm. in terms of real estate, I think th- those yeah. are the ones that are so like behind Platform of Trust. And they also receive, okay. I think, like 10 million euro funding or something. So, so basically what they do is they have a self-service platform. So okay. it's just two things. So it's well, first of all, it's business-oriented. So again, like if you have all these disparate data connections and basically what you said, you don't know how that ties into either the digital twin or how they relate to each other, any, anything like that. So they have something to go in, again, do the indexing. And then they have something called, so like a trust score. So they know where, what that they can be able to trust, where it's coming from based on like 10 or 12 different parameters. And mm-hmm. then they have like a self-service tool. So you can actually so like match these together. 
And this is yeah. also becoming more into an automated process. So that's where you can, okay, let's say you go in with, well, uh, BMS analytics suite. So that controls all these kind of things. You use this mm-hmm. kind of platform to tie it together. So you have this sort of like the relationships between them as well. And then you, yeah. maybe you do the indexing so you can actually tag it up. So make it sense of it. And then maybe you have something in between as in a streaming platform where you inject the metadata tagging schemas or well, technologies yeah. like Haystack or Brick or whatever you want, right? Mm-hmm. But that's a combination of, again, like utilizing all these kind of things in an open way, interoperable way. But of course, you have to know what you're doing. You have to find the solutions. You have to find someone that does it. So, but if you package all of this together in a box, in a building, then you get choice done. You know, so like right. you want to buy that for a really good price that does the job or these two jobs, mm-hmm. or do you want to have openness so that you have a building that anyone can work on in the future? I mean, and I'm not saying that uh, Troy and, and Passive Logic are so like keeping the buildings for themselves forever. But I mean, mm-hmm. like you're gonna pay someone, so why not pay them as well? So it's just like different right. sort of philosophies, I guess, or perspectives and how to create uh, intelligent buildings. Yeah, and I do like the analogy of Apple and Android. I really think you could talk about the similarities between Passive Logic and Tesla, like I did, but it's really like a they're creating the iPhone yeah, of yeah. buildings, essentially, which is something that that we do need. I think one thing that they, that Troy has opened my eyes to is these two separate narratives that we have going on. And I think maybe you're hitting on those two narratives as you're talking about this, but the first narrative is this, what I would call like the overlay narrative where you have, and this is kind of what Troy is saying we need to replace, but you have old, old, old technology yeah. as your controllers, right? Yeah. And then we're adding all this intelligence to kind of make up for the shortcomings of the old technology, right? Yeah. So that's where you have analytics software sitting on top of and integrating with the old technology, pulling the data, but also sending commands. That would be the overlay paradigm, I guess. Yeah. And, and what Troy's saying is no... All of those platforms, all of those solutions are making up for these shortcomings that we can actually just remove from the whole equation by yeah. starting at, at the edge with intelligence. I think I, I, there was a company, I can't remember the name, I was going to do a shout out again, but I mean, like he said, build smart from start, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, why wouldn't you do that? I mean, right. exactly. So I think like, no, I, I definitely agree. And I mean, there's only, I guess, so much you can do with technology that came into existence 20 years ago using technology based on like 50 years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, th- I think that's definitely what he's saying as well, like going in and ripping everything out. And I think I know that Philip Kopp from Connectric is also the same mindset. It's just like, I mean, forget about it. I mean, just go out, <laughs> rip it out and I mean, yeah. and do that kind of thing, right? So, and I'm not really sure. I'm on a little bit on the fences because I know that buildings are pretty slow moving, at least, mm-hmm. I mean, okay, when we're going to get to smart grid inclusivity and no balancing buildings and, and all these kind of things, then it's going to be yeah. faster data and more, more cohesiveness in a smart city environment, I guess. And it's going to be a lot of data is going to go back and forth. So maybe that's where you actually need to do this kind of thing. So then probably you need to do it now, right? But um, well, yeah, I think what my thought is, is that we have these two paradigms, right? 
yeah. choice coming in with this new paradigm, but we, we're going to have both yeah, for the long term foreseeable future, right? Yeah. There's so many building owners out there that just made a BAS upgrade yeah, like exactly. yesterday. Just all the people that have made them in the last 15 years that just yeah. like they don't have the capital of to replace all that hardware, yeah. wiring, like they just don't. So they're going to have a BAS, right? So yeah, absolutely. They're going to have these old 30-year-old technology that they just yeah. installed yesterday. They're going to have that for a while. There are millions of buildings out there that are like that. Yeah. So these paradigms are going to coexist. Yeah, maybe that's the case. Maybe I'm just time. too hardcore and wanted to choose the best solution at all times. But I think like you're absolutely yeah. right. I think... I mean, when I talk to, and I think this is interesting, if you go like in the third bracket and just using cutting edge technology and that works in silos, so to say, but in an interoperable way, I mean, there are companies like Equino and Stream Analyze, both of them from Sweden, that have these small machine learning AI frameworks that you can put on a sensor level or in an edge gateway level. And I've mm-hmm. seen it actually work so that it learns the building and then it helps the building sort of I mean, do all the things that it should be done. So let's say if you have, I mean, at my previous office, when I was a management consultant, we had on Fridays, everyone's supposed to come in uh, to eat breakfast, right? And of course, like the, what you call like the CO2 levels and the temperature in the cantina or in the the restaurant at Uh the office was just like horrible. Yeah. It it didn't be there. But what they sort of claimed and what I saw in action as well was that you put these AI machine learning, um, so like the algorithms, and you tweak it in such a way so that, okay, it should learn, right? So then you connect it to a couple of other different data sources. So let's say like mm-hmm. the, yeah, CO2 sensoring, temperature sensors, meeting bookings, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And then we, we, you can see that it doesn't need to have access to like the classic trends or historical data. It just learns the behavior and it creates yeah. a digital DNA, especially for that building. And so that building actually runs itself. It's just dependent on okay. whatever data sources you take in. So that's mm-hmm. also something that sort of like negates the fact that you have to rip and replace. Because if you can get this and get it at the top, work with mm-hmm. something that sort of like oversteers the existing stuff, then why not? It should work. Because you have a meeting booking for 100 people on Friday. You, mm-hmm. The system knows this on Wednesday or Thursday or Thursday right. evening. Then it's going to sort of like make those adjustments beforehand and it's going to go towards that scenario so i mean so it it could be done but again like it has to you have to know what you're looking for you Mm -hmm. have to have specialized skill sets again going back to troy stuff or dave stuff it's not rock they made it so easy so that maybe you could do it i I probably couldn't do it but i mean like someone with the experience (laughs) and the skill set uh maybe but someone with yeah. the experience and the skills that can actually do it in a really modern way. So I think like those two, their solutions is for me, I think, yeah, at the top of the, the cutting edge, yeah. so to say. Absolutely. Okay. Well, I'll have to get those two on the podcast. That's yeah, yeah, yeah. So absolutely. Can, I'd like to get a debate going between. Nick yeah, that would be that great. Would that would be amazing, actually. <laughs> no, but I, I mean, yeah. so, so I think like both for Troy, I mean, I love his stuff, their stuff. Uh, Dave as well and Gurmeet is also one of the founders. I mean, I love what they're doing as well. But I mean, I really want to, uh, I want to say break them, but I mean, like, I really want to test them because I always want to get, so like the customers and advising, like the best technology. 
so I really want yeah. to like, and they may, might think that, okay, why are you talking about Dave's stuff or why am I talking about Troy's stuff? I mean, I just, again, like going back, I would just want to make the world a better place. I mean, I'm going to advise on the best tools for that job. Yeah. And right now, I, I definitely think they're the ones, but in five years, and I think this goes back to the traditional ways of working in this industry. I mentioned this at the, uh, one of the, so like the seminars at the HR, and Brad mm-hmm. White, who's working at, uh, what was it called? Out of Canada, anyway, with energy management. He's actually a rocket scientist uh, by trade. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> but I mean, I just heard that. I mean, okay, so in this industry, okay, why did you install these products? What do you mean? I mean, why did you chose uh, this vendor? I mean, we've okay. had them for 20 years. Or like they installed it the last time. Right. And that's also like the argument of why you should use it, right? <laughs> And for me, that's in our door. Yeah, yeah. yeah we but might I mean, as like, well have chose them. <laughs> yeah. And I think that that sense of loyalty towards something, I mean, maybe they have fantastic products. That's not what I'm saying. But I mean, like, my loyalty yeah. goes to the ones who, again, going back to Clayton Christensen, I mean, get the job done mm-hmm. uh, in the best way, open way, interoperable way, fastest way, or whatever that can contribute to a better, I mean, better building, better society, better planet and yeah. better buildings for people. I mean, that's where my loyalty lies. And that's, I hope totally. that's where it's going to lie forever, I guess. Let's swing back to that for a little bit. So you brought up my blog post, why we need digital twins, which I'll put in the show notes on this. But uh, yeah. the, the premise of that is basically building on Clayton Christensen's uh, RIP, RIP Clayton Christensen, building on his concept. It's like a mental model, jobs to be done. Yeah. And saying that the, the primary jobs to be done in a building are make the occupants happy. And the primary example that we use in the HVAC world is um, keep them comfortable, right? So whatever they're there to do in that building, the building should support them in that. That's the, yeah, exactly. that's the job. And the second one is a lot of times buildings are an investment for the owner of the building. They're trying to make a profit and everything that happens in that building is to support that profit, Um which is understandable. What I kind of laid out in that blog post is that, and, and really it was in developing that blog post, going through this thought process of writing down all the different things that we do in buildings mm-hmm. and solutions we sell yeah. um, and activities, but they all just funnel back up to those two main exactly. jobs to be done. And I think from what I've seen talking to building owners, I think that language, in other words, Taking all of our solutions that we're trying to sell in this industry, yeah. whether it be analytics or a control system or whatever, throughout my career, that language has been missing when we go to sell our solutions, when we go yeah. to implement our solutions. Absolutely. Um, we're not, as an industry, taking and packaging our solutions to hit those two jobs to be done. Is that what, what you're seeing with your clients as well? Yeah, Absolutely. Spot on. I think like now when you're talking about this, I mean, I think it's beautiful in a way. I mean, <laughs> I really think so because I mean, I think like Brad White wrote uh, a seminal piece about like the $3 billion opportunity, right? Where okay. he's making the argument about the 330 300 rule. Like you can yeah. take 20% out of well, $3 to $30 and $300, which is well-being and productivity, which is definitely like the biggest segment. And yeah. like the most elusive segment as well. And I think like, again, like that goes back to one of the things that we haven't really talked about or what you're talking about right now, which is people. 
well-being mm-hmm. and productivity. I mean, that's like the biggest expense. Uh, right. And as well as, again, like why do buildings exist? I, I love the old Vitruvius architect saying like uh, buildings are just three things, right? It has, just has to be three things. One is okay. robust in the sense that it has to pass the test of time. Right? So that is a building. It has to be robust and it has to be useful. Mm-hmm. Basically what you said as well. I mean, for the tenants yeah. or whoever is in there, it has to be fit for purpose. A hospital, a school, office building, mm-hmm. whatever is different. And the third one is attractive. And that's something I definitely think is missing. So for me, okay. so like robust, useful, and attractive. And the funny thing is here, uh, well, the interesting thing is, is that if a building is also a system, I guess, mm-hmm. and a system is made up of all these different parts. So if yeah. you have to have the building that's going to be robust, useful, and attractive, inherently you have to use products that are robust, useful, and attractive. Totally. And I would say like, Products today in the industry, if you go back to the first bracket, are maybe robust, sort of useful in a way, yeah. not attractive in the slightest, not for the users. And I think that's exactly what Troy wanted to change. He wanted to yeah. put a fantastic piece of technology into the hands of the installers. That's awesome. That is robust, it's useful, and it's attractive. And I think that's the first one that I've seen, and that's why I probably why they're going so well. And this is something I tried to do at GoIoT for re- different reasons. We couldn't really mm-hmm. do it. And when you look back at Nest as a product it, or iPhone, I'm from Sweden. Absolutely. So many companies, so many friends that, or colleagues even that worked at Ericsson at the time or even Nokia, my Finnish friends. And I met mm-hmm. so like one of the... Anyway, so they were just bashing on the iPhone, right? It's okay. crappy technology. The antenna doesn't work. It's just horrible. Our technology yeah. is much, much better. We've been in the business for 20 years. Who do you think they are? Similar to what everyone was saying about Tesla as well. But the thing mm-hmm. is, they just hit the attractive name. You know, like yeah. that's that's the stuff. It's just like attractiveness. That's the thing. It was something new for the mm-hmm. ones who were using it. If you yeah, look at Nest, good. yeah, I mean, it looked good. It, it didn't even know it felt good, but it looked good. If you look at Nest as a product, as a smart thermostat, it wasn't really brilliant or innovative or right. anything. It was beautiful. That's right. that's the only thing that it was. So I think, like, again, going back to who are we doing this for? It's people and yeah. normal people, I guess. I mm-hmm. not the tech nerds. I love to talk about all this stuff, but, I mean, not a lot of people do. Yeah. And it's definitely like the owners. So they need mm-hmm. something that you can talk about. Okay, how is this robust and useful? And how is this attractive as well in terms of just visually pleasing, but of course attractive in the terms of user experience, user interaction. And I think that's really, really important. I think that's just a simple way of measuring this. And this is just also something with the beautiful part when you were talking about this is that, mm-hmm. and I think this is, yeah, it's actually a good thing to sort of like to leave the show or this talk yeah. is yeah. that uh, how does this product, uh, whatever it is that like you're, sort of like what do you call it screening or vetting or even developing as a product how does this contribute to these two jobs okay so you yeah. have like three products right and then you say okay product abc this product how does it contribute to number one the job to be done with people mm-hmm. and how does it contribute to well my well net operating profit whatever it is and then yeah. there's a lot, of, a lot of stuff around it in terms of support documentation robust usefulness attractiveness all these kind of things but again, like having that as a true North Star, I've only been using actually mostly the, the people aspect. 
But I'm also, again, like when I talk to real estate owners, it's just about, yeah, I'm just talking about net operating profit and real estate value. And the, the holy grail in Sweden is definitely not about lowering the cost. It's about finding new business models and new revenue streams. Yeah. Uh, that's so exactly. that's the holy grail because that's exponential. The other one is just like, a, what do you call it, zero-sum game. It's, right. It has a bottom, right? Finding new yep. business models, leveraging the data, not necessarily going the Facebook way of selling the data, but finding ways around it uh, or in it that corresponds again back to number one and two of the James Dice uh, holy, <laughs> holy two, right? I mean, I, 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 exactly. I think like that's beautiful. I think that's phenomenal. I think. So we haven't really oh. talked about digital twins that much. Maybe that's for the next. We'll have to do uh, part part two. uh, Yeah, yeah. we have a little bit, but not specifically. Well, yeah, I think we should wrap up. Uh, I want to say thanks. Thanks again. I think this has been a valuable conversation for me. I wrote down like 40 different companies that I'm going to have to try (laughs) to put in the show notes uh, and check up on for the newsletter. So, Yeah, and uh, and the code that everyone should use is, uh, well, actually, there's another building whisper. He was actually before me. So use that as well. Use the building whisper as a code for these companies and you'll get a discount. Got it. Okay. Probably We're, probably not, but then the company's gonna ask why they're saying the building whisper. They're gonna ask the who the hell is the building whisperer? <laughs> exactly. How do we find how do exactly. we find him? Exactly. Yeah. So how do people find you? So he's Nicholas Wer- is it Wern? Yeah, I think it's Wern, Wern, I guess. I don't know. Wern. Uh, so so just, you can find him on LinkedIn. He's definitely yeah, LinkedIn there. mostly. Yeah. Yeah. LinkedIn mostly. Let's definitely catch up and do part two sometime. Thanks so much for what you're doing. I mean, I think your blog and the newsletter is phenomenal. And again, like I know I recommended you for your NISA stuff. I'm going to keep recommending you for stuff. I think what you're doing is absolutely fantastic. So thanks a lot. I really appreciate it. Music to my ears. Thanks a lot. Sure. All right, friends. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Nexus podcast. For more episodes like this and to get the weekly Nexus newsletter, please subscribe at nexus.substack.com. You can find show notes for this conversation there as well. As always, please reach out on LinkedIn with any thoughts on this episode. I'd love to hear from you. Have a great day.